Welcome to Fatal Fortunes. A show about people, places, and misfortunate events. But everyone, welcome to the season three finale of Fatal Fortunes featuring Anne Foster of Vulgar History. And if you would like to introduce yourself, we would love that. And we're going to pick your brain later. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I'm coming in hot with vibes um, as your guest. <laughs> I presume you've done the research. I haven't. Um, yeah, so I'm Ann Foster. I host the Vulgar History Podcast, which is a feminist. It's like your podcast, but just like the episodes are a lot longer. So if people yeah. – <laughs> like it's similar, I think, tonally, thematically. It's just like what you talk about in a very concise, like 30 minutes. I take like five hours. Um <laughs> It's a meander. Anyway, I call it a feminist women's history comedy podcast because it's like your podcast. It's very just like chatty, gossipy, really focusing just on the messy parts of history. And it was so fun because I love that we're the tits out brigade. Yes. Yes. I was like, I feel so connected to her. Like she just gets it. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. No, that's the name that the listeners voted on themselves. The tits out brigade are the names of my listeners. And it's a, it's a way of life. It's a it's a moment. It's here. It's now. Yes. So we are talking about Mary Queen of Scots broadly, but we wanted to, you know, focus some lens, give some time to the husbands that came into her life because I think that they all have um, very fatal stories. I think that either they were, you know, bad, dealt bad hands like tuberculosis or inbreeding that made them bad people or, you know, they were just, you know as your little quarter is of so that asshole they were just that asshole it's just like when you think she's got the worst husband she could get then it levels up and it's just like oh my god this poor woman um yeah no so i was just gonna say this is perfect timing because i'm just working right now my next season is going to be all about mary queen of scots so i'm like in that world although i don't have like the facts on hand so again like i'm coming in with vibes for this yes. episode opinions like god knows i have them about her various husbands but yeah if people like like what you hear on this podcast about mary queen of scots and starting in march i'm doing something like 12 one-hour episodes about mary queen of scots so it's like it's going down perfect road trip yeah yeah exactly we always start every episode with what was happening in the year our subject was born. Um, I personally thought it would be boring to go into three different years that, that these guys were born. So we're just going to start with the year Mary was born, which was 1542. There was the Battle of Basente, where the Portuguese under Cristovia de Gama captured the Muslim-occupied hill fort in northern Ethiopia. And there are a bunch of other battles in Ethiopia this year. Something I don't typically think of, and I remember when we were doing um, Catherine of Aragon a couple of years ago and talking about 1485, like the only thing that happened that year was the Battle of the... Bosworth Field. Okay, yeah. Not what I was going to say. Like, Again, I'm coming hot with opinions and no facts. So it's really amazing to see that, you know, globalization is starting in the time that Mary was born. We've got the Renyin Palace Rebellion, where a group of Ming Dynasty palace women fail to murder the Jijing Emperor and are executed by slow slicing, oh. which I had to look up further. Added, I had to get further into it, um, which is death by a thousand slices. And apparently that was a thing that they did until the 1930s. Gross. It's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. I think that might definitely be, you know, a good episode going forward. It's something I definitely... I've read the people who that happened to. They ended up sort of looking like fish scales. 
is sort of like the effect. Uh, I was about to say on a happier note, but it's not a happier note. Um, <laughs> on my birthday in this year, June 27th, Juan Rodriguez Cabrillo mistook California for an island and he claimed it for Spain. And he also came upon the San Diego Bay that year as well. Happy birthday, Al. <laughs> the overarching pro uh, concept of Protestantism is growing in Europe. I did not feel the need to list every single uh, fun Protestant event. Fun <laughs> is... Uh, Maybe not the word I'm looking for, but I didn't really. They don't believe, do fun. They growing. don't. They don't do fun. <laughs> this was the first contact that Japan had with the West. Respectfully, I did not see anyone this year that I thought any listener would know. I I did not see. It was you know, Italian noblewoman, German philosophers that I don't know, a mathematician. Well, it's like the yes. only person that matters was Mary Queen of Scots. She was born. Yeah, it only matters. She's that year. Yeah, that's that's it. And then we had deaths of Arthur Plantagenet, who was first Viscount Liesel, and he was the illegitimate son of King Edward IV and the half-brother-in-law to Henry VII and then uncle, of course, to Henry VIII. So I wonder why, as a Plantagenet, there's no, like, secret spicy plot that he's involved in. Then we've got Liesel del Giocondo, who is believed to be the woman that was featured in the Mona Lisa. Oh, nice. Very fun. Lapu Lapu, who was the chief of the Mactan in the Philippines, died. So that's what's going on this year. Globalization, Protestantism, and of course, the birth of wee baby Mary Queen of Scots. Before we got into the episode, I wanted to know if, Anne, if you had a husband of Mary's that captures your imagination more. <laughs> um, like, who do I hate the most of them? <laughs> it's not like, it's not dislike. It's the one that you get maybe most... Ugh. Uh, that would be Darnley. Darnley, for sure. I have, like, he is one of my nemeses of history. I think he's one of the worst people who ever lived. I'm like, who else is on that list? Damn. <laughs> he, and I yeah. also wanted to ask, um, if you are Scottish, like, Nathan and I are both Scottish. Are you both Scottish, really? Yeah. Oh, I'm, like... 75% Scottish. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's swimming in <laughs> every, every direction in my genealogy. Yeah. Perfect. I guess this is apt. This is a good, you know, recitation of the ancestors. Um, but let's jump into Mary's early life briefly and see why did this wee baby end up in France? So we'll start at the beginning, as we always do. Mary's born at Linlithgow Palace on December 8th, 1542, to King James V and his second wife, Mary of Guise. Some think this was a premature birth, but she also is the only child of James to survive him. And Mary's grandmother was Margaret Tudor, daughter of Henry VII and older sister of Henry VIII. Now, just six days after her birth, Mary became the Queen of Scotland when James died at Falkland Castle. And this was probably because of the loss at the Battle of Solway Moss or dysentery from bad water after that battle. And this means that the House of Stuart's grip on the crown will probably end with her, James, saying the famous last words before his death, it came with a lass, it'll go with a lass. Um, Thank you, you for know, the in reference. You're welcome. Um, you know, in reference to that they got the crown uh, through marriage and... Um, he, yeah, he thinks that his daughter's gonna be the last one, and and we'll see what happens. But she's christened at the Church of Saint Michael. She was a Catholic queen in a land soon to be Protestant. 
and there were rumors she was very weak and frail as a baby, but that wasn't really true or relevant since the country was overseen by regents until she became old enough. We're not going to have a literal baby telling us what to do. The two main regents were Cardinal Beaton and the Earl of Arran. Beaton had been the late King James's ambassador to France and had brokered both of his marriages. And Beaton's claim to the regency was dismissed, however, as a forgery on the king's will. So Aaron was heir apparent and therefore regent. Now, this was only until 1554 when Mary's mother successfully removed and succeeded Aaron. I was kind okay. of wondering if Anne had a thought on why all these Scottish kings die so early and why the death rates of their children are just so high. And why like, are they, I think why are they called James? Like, They're all yeah, called James. Every one of them. You'll have two kids named James. Okay, again, I'm coming up with hot takes. I don't know a lot about Scottish man kings, but what I'm going to say is a lot of, like, Tudor era, there's, like, so many boys or, like, boy kings who died. It's just, like, health-wise, it seems like little teenage boys were all sort of, like, wasting away and sort of, like, pale... <laughs> And just, like, they all died young. And, and there's these, like, really hearty girls and women who it's, like, well, if you, like, if they were in charge, like, there would be a lot more consistency. You wouldn't have so much death. So I feel like you were saying that, like, people thought Mary was weak and whatever. And it's, like, no, I feel like the weak people are all these, like, male heirs. That's my hot take. Yeah. And that's what and, – and that uh, notion, it just makes you, like, think, like, who are the people saying that she's weak and frail? Probably the people who are weak and frail seems like a little bit of projection to me. I agree. Definitely. But instead of jumping ahead right into uh, her first marriage, there is a proposal that is, you know, pretty dramatic and spicy and, uh, you know, a significant amount of people die in this rough wooing. But Baby Queen's first romance, it begins with King Henry VIII of England's son, uh, Edward, and it begins when she's only six months old. This resulted in the Treaty of Greenwich, which promised that Mary would be wed to Edward at the age of 10. Um, as we said earlier, uh, they're first cousins. That is so nasty. I can't even really remember any other first cousin marriages that we've covered. I don't know if you've not covered them because I've covered a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I did what I just like a couple months ago, I did one with like niece uncle marriages like i'm just like oh, yes I'm, isn't that portugal uh yes yes but like cousin merit like victoria they were cousins like <laughs> the most recent queen elizabeth ii they were cousins i'm just like cousin marriage that's like the least weird thing i read about <laughs> there's gonna be more cousin marriages in this podcast listeners just stay tuned yeah, oh, this is the least of the cousin marriages, to be honest. This treaty did claim that the countries would remain separate, but when Beaton returned and rose to power again while pushing his pro-Catholic and pro-French agenda, Henry's tepid allyship with Scotland was really tested. And so, you know, a month later, when she's seven months old, Mary is moved to Stirling Castle against Aaron's wishes by Beaton. So there's some infighting going on between her regents. And a reaction to this is officially crowning her at that castle's chapel when she's nine months old on September 9th of 1543. Little baby tiny crown on her little head. Oh, yeah. Adorable. <laughs> Maybe a little bracelet or something. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'd be a little bit more practical. Just before her coronation, Henry arrested some Scottish merchants heading for France. 
Obviously, this is not okay with Scotland, especially Beaton. But it causes Aaron, who had been a Protestant, to convert to Catholicism. And now the Treaty of Greenwich is totally scrapped. With this move and the newfound alliance between France and Scotland causes Henry to start his rough wooing, which is a military campaign to impose the marriage as discussed in the treaty. Then in 1546, Beaton is murdered by Protestant lairds that actually hang him from a window. And a year after that, in 1547, Henry VIII is dead. Now that same year, Scotland suffered casualties of about 7,000 at the Battle of Pinky, so Mary was moved north of Glasgow to Inchmahome Priory, which that is, you know, we're talking about Scottish heritage here. That's that's where my ancestors oh. are from. Where I've actually been to um, the little island that I'm sure maybe at, at some point Mary Queen of Scots was out there. Um, but she's in that that land and she stays there for three weeks and then turns to France for aid against the English. Her camp's only bargaining chip was to marry Mary to France, and specifically to Henry II and Catherine Medici's three-year-old son, Dauphin Francis. And in terms of, like, age gap relationships, I think, like, one-year-old baby to three-year-old, like, that's better than, like, baby to what, whatever, right. 12-year-old, 15, whatever Edward was, yeah. Yeah, I think that this might have been, like, the most, quote-unquote, normal marriage that, that she had, and that age gap, definitely, yeah is not horrible <laughs> they are toddlers but <laughs> yes that, it's, it's, it's really still normal weird, right <laughs> at least really they're both toddlers <laughs> yeah exactly so with aaron also tempted by a french dukedom he agrees to this and this is all the while uh when the english are just leaving a trail of devastation in haddington leith and eventually the scots race to a nunnery outside of haddington to fully sign the treaty with France, and this is aptly named the Treaty of Haddington. I never thought that I have to write that word so many times. Haddington? Yeah, it's yeah. like all in a row, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Mary's five now, and Mary moves to France, and that is where she would stay for the next 13 years. Um, she arrived in France in mid-August of 1448, and in her retinue were two of her illegitimate siblings. Very fun. The Scottish kings got wicked illegitimate kids who all play a really significant political role, which I feel this like we don't like, really see in England. Yeah. Have you done um, much France history on your podcast? Because I've only recently like learned a bit more about France. And it's like they can just be like, which of my sons is going to inherit this illegitimate one? Sure. And everyone's cool with it. Like if England and Scotland did that, they would have avoided so many wars. You can't. We can't cooperate. Are you kidding? No, it has to be like the only the child of this. Yeah, I don't know. There's like other options, but so then she's got the four Marys. I, as a fan, would love to see an episode about the four Marys. Um, and they would basically spend their whole lives with her. These four noble women, all named Mary, all born around the same time as her. Did you watch Rain? I think I asked this later, but did you watch Rain? I largely do the vulgar history podcast because of the influence of rain <laughs> rain so was I've, very formative for me yeah i remember i used to follow this blog that was like all the clothes that you could buy that they wore on rain and the only one i could afford was like a free people top on sale yeah. that she wore like under six other things but i kept that dress i think until like last year oh no i was all about the like wearing a necklace on your head like maxi dresses like 
Yeah. It jumped the shark when I forget what song they played. Maybe it was uh, the Lord song on the violin. No, that well, now everyone loves Bridgerton for doing that. So I feel like Rain was really like cutting edge. Rain was anyway. Don't get me started. Rain walked so <laughs> so we <Yeah>. could run. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. But I like that on Rain they were like, okay, we can't have all of her assistants be called Mary. That is confusing. So they gave them the most bananas names, and that's why it's a perfect show. Anyway, by all accounts, people loved her in French court, except for her soon-to-be mother-in-law, Catherine de Medici. I think she gets a bad rap personally, but she also inspires me if she did do all those horrible things. We should probably get into that first husband, Francis. Uh, he's, you know, the long-awaited heir to the throne, having been born 11 years after the marriage of his parents, who had their own saucy, crazy, and full of intrigue marriage beyond the scope of what we can do here. But Francis was only four years old or three years old um, when he's betrothed to Mary. And Mary's grandfather, Claude, Duke of Guise, was an influential figure in the French court. The young pair kind of contrast each other. Mary was tall, spoke eloquently, whereas Francis was shorter and had a stutter. But they became fast friends and got along by all accounts. The two were married almost 10 years after Mary arrived in France in 1558 at Notre Dame in Paris. Any children of the pair would have had a claim to England, Scotland, and France. So that baby, I remember there's also a Portuguese baby who would have, you know, united the entire peninsula at one point. Baby Michael and he like dies in his grandmother's arms. So basically their baby would have been that. But the baby does not occur. A consequence of the marriage, um, Francis also became king consort of Scotland. Uh, this would be Mary's only king consort. And uh, it's a place he would never see. He never leaves France for Scotland. Francis was 14 when they got married. And allegedly, the two never consummated their marriage for reasons you think 14-year-olds might not. In 1558, just before the marriage, a secret clause was signed by the Queen that provided uh, Scotland would become part of France if the royal couple did not have children. Think of how crazy the world would be. I don't think that would have lasted, though. Like, yeah, if Scottish people had to speak French, Lord. Getting tough. the Scottish people to do something like that? Come on. Think about how crazy of an accent that would be. Cheers. <laughs> Inaudible. Yeah, no, no way. Because of French control over their country, a congregation of Scottish lords organized an uprising and made the regent and her French councils leave the capital, Edinburgh, in May of 1599. These lords were, of course, backed in their efforts by the English. And by the end of 1559, France had regained control of Scotland. About a year later, in July of 1559, Francis and Mary became king and queen of France after their father after his father died in a jousting accident in September he was crowned king at Rheims by his uncle Charles Cardinal of Lorraine the crown was too heavy for his small head so the nobles had to hold it aloft and steady see this is another one of those like really like weak little frail teenage boys that this era is so full of should have gotten him in a bracelet honestly yeah <laughs> Get at the baby crown. They, the new couple, they took up residence at uh, the Chateau du Blouin, which I asked uh, several of my friends who are from France how to pronounce Blouin. Um, some people, if you listen to like uh, BBC something something, they'll say Blois. 
and he's the OG Sun King. He took the sun as his symbol first. At 15, Francis did not need a regent due to his youth, but because that fragile health that we mentioned, members of Mary's family, the Guises, act as a regent, and this is agreed to by Catherine de' Medici, who's playing the long game. The recent peace of the Catal Cambrisis, ending the Italian wars between Elizabeth I of England and Henry II of France, and Philip II of Spain, left the French monarchy teetering on bankruptcy. Like we said, they're always, they're always broke, always looking for money. And the loans were in tens of millions with high interest rates because lenders were pretty skeptical they'd never be paid back. Henry, during his reign, had tried to limit Calvinism, but that had just led to more violence in Paris especially. And the Guise faction began trying to get the country out of the hole and began cost-cutting, deferring payment to troops who were not fond of that. And this did not, in fact raise the tens of millions of money they needed. So they're in debt. They next raised uh, forced loans from the provinces while also suppressing the practice of buying government offices for money. They looked for money into the next year too and pissed off the merchants a lot. The Guises continued uh, the repression of Protestantism, including a provision that allowed for the house where any Protestant meeting was held to be raised to the ground and the prosecution of the landlords for knowingly harboring heretics as tenants. Honestly, I find the law that they have just so much more dramatic that it's easier to memorize than anything I have to learn for the bar exam right now. <laughs> Like, the only way happening? I can remember some of these things is like, well, Henry VIII did that because he needed money. What's what's the date of your exam? It's in 34 days. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. February 21st to 22nd. This episode will air, like, right before you have to go in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't want to talk about it. The young couple faced the Ambois conspiracy, where the Protestants sought to capture the king and arrest or kill the Duke of Guise and the Cardinal of Lorraine. Remember, the Cardinal of Lorraine is the relative who had crowned him. This group was going to make Antoine of Navarre regent at their place, but he said, don't, don't put me in with that. Don't get me involved. They then latched onto Antoine's brother, Claude, who had less, less than a nothing claim because Antoine's claim, I'm pretty sure, comes, you know, de Jorixaurus. Um, but Claude's like, I'm down. This one lawyer, though, they're trying to put the plan in place of this one lawyer. Sorry, guys. Um, he got cold feet and he spilled the entire beans about the conspiracy to the Duke and to Francis. Francis made the Duke the lieutenant general of the kingdom, giving him final say on all military moves. But the same day, um, they saw how much of a ragtag bunch had actually showed up for the Amboise conspiracy and they declared an amnesty for anyone who surrendered. Most of the people taken alive tried to pin it on Claude, but after interrogation and search of his apartments, there was no proof he'd been involved. He got out of there as fast as possible and took refuge in Navarre with his brother Antoine. Those who did not surrender were executed and hung from the battlements as a warning. This conspiracy is just an example of how their religious policy had failed. As we all know, this is not a foreign policy podcast or a military podcast, so I'm going to wrap this kid up soon. The kid's health <laughs> deteriorated. What? <laughs> You're going to wrap this kid up? He's literally about to die, Al. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that maybe wasn't. In hindsight, 
foresight. I'm I stand by what I said. I said what I All said. Right. You're not you're not wrong. Yeah. Yeah, he's gonna get wrapped up. The king's health deteriorated in November of 1560, and on November 16th, he fainted. After only 17 months on the throne, Francis died on the 5th of December, 1560, in Orleans from an ear condition. I earlier was going to joke that he's so frail he's going to die from an ear infection, but I didn't because it's true. Damn. Well, I mean, in a time pre-penicillin, like, yeah. that could get anyone, really. Can I just say... So my friend, Lana Wood Johnson, who's been a guest on my podcast a few times, yes. and she's going to guest on a bunch of stuff coming up in the Mary Queen of Scots season. She has, and I think this is really interesting to think about, her like sliding doors moment for all of world history is like if Francis hadn't died, like the ripple effects of that would have been like on par with like what if Scotland was French. But yeah. like if the two of them, if they, if he had survived, if they had children, like if she hadn't gone back to England, like she never would have, fa- well, all the other stuff that's going to happen, like. Him dying so young really changed a lot of stuff. But yeah, Lana's theory is just that this is like where all the world history changed. I love that. I actually love that. I've never thought of what's my sliding door moment. Nathan, if you think of one, LMK. All right. Do you have one? I I don't. I just bored Lana's. (laughs) There's a lot. There's a lot. But you're right. Yeah. Okay. So what if Edward had survived? And it's like. If Elizabeth was never queen, if Mary was never queen, like Jane Grey would just be off having fun somewhere, My being a real nerd. Might be if Catherine's, if their first baby Henry had lived. Catherine of Aragon, if her, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Like so much, we wouldn't have six the musical. Like a lot of. Oh my god, <laughs> tragedy. That's the, world the real would be tragedy. Worse off, yeah. And not to take it back to Rain, but I remember in an episode of Rain, they showed blood count coming out of his ear to show that he that Francis was going to get killed off soon. And I, as a history buff at like 14, was like, I know what this means. Yeah, yeah. But then, if you recall, on Rain, he didn't die. <laughs> and I was like, is Rain going full alternate history? What's happening right now? But then he did die later from being stabbed by John Barrowman. But anyway. Wait, John Barrowman? Yeah. I think there was a point where I stopped watching. Okay. <laughs> oh, I never stopped watching. Well, maybe I have to get back into it. I know that Dana Schwartz is recaps on Patreon. So yeah. maybe I can do a little side by side. So immediately conspiracy theories are going off that he got poisoned by Protestants. Duh. Um, he was succeeded by his younger brother, who was 10 years old at the time. And Mary returned to Scotland, a land she had not seen since she was five years old. Nine months later, arriving in Leith on 19th of August, 1561. So now it's 1561. And in February of that year, Mary's still mourning Francis. But she meets Henry Stuart, who is also known as Lord Darnley. And this man was the son of the Earl and Countess of Lennox, both Scottish aristocrats and English landowners. So big money. And in light of Francis' death, the parents sent him to France to extend their condolences. But also for sure to see if, you know, maybe we can get another marriage going with Mary. Can I point out, sorry, I'm going to let you say, but this is like a fact I do know, which is that Mary, Queen of Scots was something like six feet tall. And I think Darnley also was. So they're just like, oh, my God, you're also tall. So they're just I feel like they would have bond on that level because like who is six feet tall in like the 1500s? Nobody. I remember so that a friend of mine, she's like 6'4", and she met a guy who was like an NFL player who was 6'7". She was like, I had to go on a date with him just to yeah. like interact with someone my own height, just to play yeah. tennis with yeah. an yeah. equal partner. 
So in terms yeah, of Mary no. being perhaps drawn Real. to him, I think the height, I think, is that's certainly part of what's going on. Yeah. I think it's cool to be around someone taller. As someone tall, whenever I see someone else taller, I react the exact same way as yeah. everyone else. I'm just like, oh, you're tall. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, we know that these people have the same last name. They're both grandchildren of Margaret Tudor. But we also know inbreeding doesn't stop royals at all. No, in fact, they love it. They lean into it. They think it's the coolest thing. That's and... a plus for them. <laughs> yeah. They're also both uh, patrilineal descendants of the High Stewards of Scotland. And as you aforementioned, Henry was, in Mary's words, a long lad. He's, yeah, six feet tall. He was a and tall I totally get boy. it. I totally get it. Like, I'd, I'd yeah, sure. Uh, if, if you're six feet tall, you're going to want someone who will at least meet you at eye level. Sure. Okay, that's bullshit. As you know, that's bullshit, Nathan. No, 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 All no. My boyfriend's been over six feet, and I am four. I understand. Foot I date short people. I get it. But it's you wicked date nice. short people. It's sometimes nice to look up. That's all I'm saying. I think if it's like if you're you're four eleven, you said. So I think yeah. if you see somebody who's your same size, you're not. Are you like, oh my god, you're my same size? Like I think there's just some sort of instinctive connection. Maybe there's solidarity among the tall. Who's a little community. shorter, and it's nice. Yeah, so it's like, even if you're not going to date this person, it's just like, oh, we're both unusual heights. I don't know. I just love this detail because no one is this, like, no men are this tall. The fact that Mary Queen of Scots is, like, six feet tall, I yeah, find that's wild. very impressive. I picture, like, an Elizabeth Debicki-type person. Yes. Oh, yeah. So they meet again, This these, you know, these two tall folks. They meet again in, you know, four years later, which I think is pretty crazy. Uh, they meet four years later in 1565 at... We miss Castle in Scotland uh, shortly after this. They had, you know, a really short courtship and they married on July 29th, 1569. I always am like, is this the day that Charles and Diana got married? But I'm not sure if it's July 29th. And I think I check every Ooh, time. And that's just like a doomed, cursed day for royal marriages then. So cursed. So, so cursed. But this match was also. Um, Again, I don't, I forget all the details, but they, she was like very into him. It wasn't just like, this will be good for you or for the crown or whatever. She was just like, he's tall and he's hot. And I was just married to this like tuberculosis ridden 15 year old. <laughs> like, let's go. And like, Charles there was and Diana's a... anniversary is the 29th. Yeah. Damn. No one get married that day. Stars. No one get married that day. They got married at Hollywood Palace, although the match was, you know, a love match, a lust match, I would say. Um, Elizabeth, the queen, she was, you know, pretty threatened by this marriage. Of course, she, pro I don't think at this time she'd really revealed that she wasn't going to marry and this was all a joke. The thought of children from this marriage, that was a real big threat to her. And as it should be, oh my God. Any children they had would have an even larger claim to England than either of those individuals had singularly. Uh, Elizabeth was rightfully angry since this marriage wasn't approved by her. Because, of course, as you know, if you're in line to succession of the English throne, you got to ask. And the queen will probably say no. Yeah, don't ask her. She's not, she's not going to let you. And it also wasn't approved by the Catholic Church. And it probably wouldn't have because of how closely related the two were. Mary's half-brother, the Earl of Arran, he was also not thrilled about this union. And this also then led the Protestant Earl of Moray to rebellion. Then in late August, Moray attempted to take the Edinburgh Castle, but retreated while Mary looked for more troops. 
This is called the Chase About Raid, and this had Mary and Moray's forces going about Scotland, engaging in combat, but Mary had too many friends to count after the release and restoration of Lord Huntley's son and the release of the fourth Earl of Bothwell from exile in France. Is this Bothwell Bothwell, or is this a different This is Bothwell. Bothwell. I'm okay, pretty sure okay. this is Bothwell He enters Bothwell. the scene. Bothwell's He yeah, has okay. been released, and he is, yeah, he is fighting for Mary. And after months, Murray left for England, defeated by October. And this causes Mary to broaden her council with Catholics and Protestants alike. With power growing, Darnley wanted nothing less than the throne. He's thinking, king consort's not enough. But Mary said, no way. No way you're doing that, which brought tension to the marriage, understandably. He's, he's just, you know, like any other man in Scotland, thinks that Mary's his property. This didn't stop them from, you know... Trying to have a baby, that's kind of the, the whole point of these kinds of marriages. And um, they're, they're only living child um, in that same month. But that harmony between, between Darnley and Mary was not to last. I just had a thought that he's like the Camilla of the oh, 1550s. Yeah. In terms yeah. of he's just like, like wanting to be and have more power and yeah, titles. Like, I'm and not things. queen concert. I'm queen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Darnley, you know, he's jealous of Mary's relationship with her private secretary, David Rizzio. That scene scared me as a kid. I was like, this is not what I want to see of the CW at like eight. Oh, o'clock. you're talking about the the rain version of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there was the Saoirse Ronan Mary Queen of Scots movie a couple years later. Also yes. brutal. Anytime, yes. anytime there's a Rizzio character in any of the adaptations, I'm just like, oh, I love him, and I'm just like, maybe this one will work out. It never does. No, and always they always make him there. ethnically ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Like I think he's Italian, but he's always cute as compare as contrasted to like everyone else. He's always yeah. He's I don't know. He's just like the gay best friend, and I yeah yeah queer yes. icon. Yes, <laughs> Rizzio. There's a secret conspiracy in March of 1566, and on March 9th, Darnley and his co-conspirators murdered. Rizzio right in front of the pregnant Mary at dinner at Holyrood Palace. This is so Game of Thronesy. Oh, so do you have how many times he was stabbed? I feel it was like some wild number. It was like it was 57 times or something. Yeah. Like far more than is necessary. Like speaking, we were talking about the like death by a thousand cuts. It wasn't that, but it yeah. was just like. It was, guys, it was close up. to a hundred cuts maybe. Like, yeah. Yeah. So two days later, Darnley and Mary escaped to Dunbar castle before returning to edinburgh on the 18th the murder of rizzio just totally screwed the marriage up she could not trust him anymore this was her as we said gay best friend uh it's she's literally pregnant and in the room are you kidding uh this is like as you say he's probably one of the worst people ever and this is you know part of the evidence of why but it just trying to have dinner like yeah she's trying to have dinner with her with her friends I just wanted to point out, so here, so Darnley was involved in the stabbing, like in that whole conspiracy to stab him. And then Mary was captive. And then she, who is just like the baddest queen she was, she like manipulated him to switch sides back to her and to help her escape. Like he flip-flopped there, which is, it's not like that doesn't speak well for him. It just shows how just like useless he was, how easily manipulated he was. That he goes from like being like, yeah, I'm in a conspiracy against you to be like, oh, okay, no, actually, now I'm in your side again. Like, he's just yeah. the worst. Weren't we all kind of like that at 19? <laughs> in, in the gossip, in the gossip. I don't know. I, I wasn't, wasn't stabbing anyone. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Not stabbing anyone, but, you know, flip-flopping. <laughs> yeah. 
she gives birth to their only child, James, on Juneteenth, 1566, in Edinburgh Castle. I spoke, woo, Juneteenth. Like he was literally born on Juneteenth? Yes. Just three months later, Mary was making the four-hour trip to and from Hermitage Castle to see the Earl of Bothwell, who was ill, air quotes, talk of an affair was present, who rides four hours on a horse to comfort someone without a motive. Not me. Although she was accompanied by her guards, when she returned, she became violently ill, and there was thought that she was dying. Um, It's crazy how, like, if you throw up, they're like, you're dying. <laughs> yeah. I think she had some sort of... She had, like, there's a bunch of people in this, like, lineage who have the same sort of, like, weird symptoms. Like, what is it, George the Third? Like, all these people who had these kind of, like, strange symptoms. It's like, what did she have? Like, she had some sort yeah. of weird illness that I think doctors today would be like fibromyalgia and doctors then were just like no no women problems like some people said she had that what is it lycanthropy the like you're allergic to the sun like I think she had she was living with some stuff and she had been through some shit (laughs) she just gave birth I think she just like you know what she miraculously recovers uh, either thanks to or in spite of her French physicians um I just think of like all medicine before like 1920. Like this is gonna kill you. Leech based. I don't know. I was about to say leeches. That's what we got. All right. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we have. That now by the end of next month in November, the problem of Darnley was very much discussed by Mary. Divorce is an option, but the consensus was pretty much that this guy shouldn't even exist. He's too dangerous. Darnley's pretty aware of this, so he fled to Glasgow in December. During that journey, he possibly got smallpox, but regardless of what it was, he's very ill. Then in January 1567, Mary calls him back home after he beats the illness. She visited him often at the house of his brother at the former Abbey of Kirkofield. And in the early hours of February 9th or 10th, depending Maybe on we sh- what- that's the day we should put this up. <laughs> at midnight uh, between the two days. At- <laughs> right, exactly. It's like somewhere in the in the nighttime, on that on those nights, and this uh, explosion happens, rocks the abbey, and Darnley's found dead, a little bit away from the abbey, smothered with no signs of strangulation, but every reason to suspect that foul play is committed here. Bothwell, Moray, Secretary of Maitland, and even Mary are suspects, and it was decided that it's probably Bothwell. He was demanded to be tried by Darnley's father. But with no evidence, Both was fully acquitted. He was very guilty in the court of public opinion, however. There's a book I'm going to reread before I do my podcast that's like about this, like as a true crime type narrative. Mm. And it's such a interesting situation because it's like, oh, no, the house exploded. I guess he died in the explosion. And it's like, well, why is he far away from the house? And why yeah. has he been stabbed? And why is he wearing his pajamas? And meanwhile, why are Mary- there burn marks? Yeah, and then Mary was, like, hosting a party somewhere else. She's just like, this is totally my alibi. Don't worry about it. Like, it's so – there's so many things to discuss about it. Anyway, it's one of my favorite true crime situations that he was just, like, found – Do you have a theory? Exploded. Oh, I think it was Bothwell. I think it was probably Bothwell. I don't know if Mary was involved. I like to think she was, but I don't know. Like, who Mm. could blame her honestly? It's like you stab my best friend 56 times in front of me. Like – I'm going to explode your Hey, back, bitch. She's not going to do it herself. So, like, if she was involved, of course she wasn't there. But, like, she could have gotten something It's not ladylike. So let's get into who Bothwell is real quick. 
Bothwell, he was born in 1534 in Edinburgh to the third Earl of Bothwell and his wife, Agnes Sinclair. Allegedly, his dad was hot. And at the time, he always was always important to know. Fair Earl. Ooh. Y'all, yeah. I mean, always important to note on history. You know, he was cute. It is. It is. I like knowing who's the hot people. Like I said, his dad was hot. He succeeded his father as the fourth Earl in 1556. So he's like eight years older than Mary. He, this is her, I, was, I can't even tell if I would call this her worst marriage. I, can you even call it marriage? No. It, it's a it's a shitty situation that you're about to describe. kidnapping basically he first visited copenhagen he's a really well-traveled individual i found for the time period in 1559 as lord high admiral of scotland where the 25 year old bothwell fell in love with anna thorns a norwegian noblewoman whose father was pretty famous at the time as a general and lawmaker they left Copenhagen, and while in Flanders, the artist otherwise known as Belgium, the couple ran out of money. So she sold all of her possessions and then went back to Denmark to ask her family for more money. This treatment of Anna, how, what he does to her, is really go catch up with him. Bothwell next marries Lady Jean Gordon, who was the daughter of the Earl of Huntley, and uniquely, they divorced the next year on the grounds of adultery with her servant, Bessie Crawford. But was he not still married to Anna from Belgium? That's the thing. Like, I don't think See, that there was so ever a divorce. Yeah. I feel like Bothwell was kind of like, we got married under Norwegian law. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's different over here. Yeah, that marriage <laughs> exactly. is only valid in Norway, so yeah. don't worry about it. Then that was annulled because of he had adultery with yet another person. Correct. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then he meets Mary for the first time in the French court. After her, uh, after he and Anna broke broke up officially, I guess he visited France three more times. Pretty well traveled asshole. After uh, digressing, circling back a little bit, about a week or so after the acquittal of the murder of Lauren Darnley, Mary was returning to Edinburgh after visiting her son in Stirling Castle, which would unfortunately be for the last time. On the journey, she was abducted by Lord Bothwell and taken to Dunbar Castle. There are rumors of sexual assault occurring, but it seems that this was not a place Mary was really to go with this guy anyway. Like, she was never going to, you know, I don't know, use her power as queen to, like, enforce that. Because I feel like if you're in, like, when you come from a place where your other figurehead and your other, like, co-monarch sister-in-arms is the virgin queen to then, you know, assert your own rights after something like that happens to you and then you're getting compared to her constantly like that's why you're a witch like they're gonna be like that's why you're a witch <laughs> you yeah. a hoe and a witch <laughs> a week after that in may mary and bothwell they returned to edinburgh and on the 15th they were both married according to protestant rights interesting for our catholic queen and this oh, was wow, really weird yeah yeah and this was um convenient and uh really timely because his Marriage to Jean, Lady Jean Gordon had only been dissolved 12 days earlier. So the thing, and I'm going to get in, like, I'm going to read up more on this for the, like, Bothwell episode I'm going to do. But, um, yeah, he just, like, kind of kidnapped her. And then people afterwards were like, oh, she ran off with him on purpose. Where it's like, yeah. in no world would she have done that. And then it's like, because he kidnapped her, then she kind of had to marry him to, like, save her reputation. Because otherwise right. it's like, she, like, whatever. You can't just, like, run off with a guy. So he, like, really trapped her into this situation. Like, she had no choice but to marry him. 
So like we said, the court of public opinion was, you know, very much not a fan of Bothwell and the Catholics especially considered the marriage to be unlawful because of the couple's unfavorability. And he had like two other wives also, yeah. but they had living, no, 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 yeah. Yeah. living. Yeah. No, no. So 26 men, they formed an army known as the Confederate Lords. The Lords were confronted by Bothwell and Mary at Carberry Hill on the 15th of June. But Mary's support, it really was dwindling. I think that the Scottish people, they were already, you know, skeptical of having someone who had largely lived in France rule them and Catholic. So there was no battle. They all met up there, but because the forces had dwindled so much, there wasn't actually a battle to have. And Bothwell was allowed to have safe passage through the field. What the fuck happened to Mary? You're just going to leave your wife? That's that's the compromise. What was his goal? Is that's his mo? He just keeps leaving his wife. True, true. Yeah. Oh, you're so right. Can't hate the player, hate the game. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hate the player. <laughs> I, I, I hate both. And the game. Mary instead, she was taken uh, to the heart of Edinburgh Castle, where the crowds denounced her. Denounced her as an adulteress and a murderer, uh, just like what Jeremy Clarkson would like to do to Mar- Meghan Markle. On the 16th of June, Mary was imprisoned at Lochleven Castle on the island of Lochleven. She miscarried the two twins she had been pregnant with a week later on the 24th of June, and she was then forced to abdicate in favor of her son, James, who was only a year old at the time. I long mean, line of tradition of, yeah, I was just going to say, like, Scotland, long line of baby, baby, baby like, you bring up the, the bracelet crown, like, mm-hmm. everything's already the little mini like cape cloak little scepter like a baby rattle moray the earl of moray he was made regent while bothwell was exiled and bothwell was later imprisoned in denmark where he died in prison in 1576 um he had sailed toward norway after the battle due to storms hoping to reach denmark and raise an army in support with the support of the king of denmark to bring mary back onto the throne probably because this brother also wanted to be king mm-hmm he was captured in Norway and taken to the port of Bergen, the home of his first wife, Anna. Anna then sued him for abandonment and the return of her dowry, and this got him locked up. I don't think that he ever thought that 22 or like 10 years later at this time that she was really going to come back to bite him like this. Uh, she was apparently kind of fond of him, though, because instead of, you know, taking her little lawsuit to the hole, I don't know why I call it little, um, her actual lawsuit to the hole, Uh, She accepts one of the ships that he had arrived with as compensation. He was going to get released because of this. However, uh, the Danish government heard from the new Scottish government that he was wanted for the murder of Lauren Darnley, which the new people in power were like, no, 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 we're not going to have a show trial. Like, this is it. And he was medieval extradited from Denmark to Norway. To Denmark from Norway, my bad. And they let him sit in prison for the rest of his life once it was clear that Mary would never be on the throne because he was a nobody. We don't have to make a decision about what to do with this guy because mm. he doesn't play any role in, you know, the latter. Do you have the thing about, like, his ghost and stuff? I don't have the thing about his ghost, but I did see what happened to his body. I'd love to hear about his ghost, though. What I vaguely remember is that, so he was trapped in some sort of, like, basement dungeon situation, and you can visit it now, like, yeah. the castle where it was. Um, and there's sort of, like... A groove in the ground because like he could only walk from here to there so it's just kind of like a circle around the room where it's like and that's where he walked and then i mean the ghost thing is just like and they say his ghost haunts that dungeon and that castle it sounds like a fun vacation as we said you know that pillar you can go see it today 
In the 1850s, they exhumed his body, and it is now at the Edinburgh Wax Museum. Although it's not, they never really tested the mummy genetically to see who it was, but they kind of exhumed him and were like, this is it! Yeah, they, they never locked anyone else in that room ever. It's the only non-wax exhibit at the Edinburgh Wax Museum. Whoa. I need to go there, too. Yeah. Mary's still in prison, but she's about to get out on May 2nd. She escapes with the help of her brother, George Douglas, who was the brother of the castle's owner. So that's a little awkward. She manages to gain a 6,000-man army and meets Moray's forces at the Battle of Langslide on May 13th. Although his army was smaller, Mary was defeated, and she fled to the south. She eventually makes it to England, where she was taken into protective custody. Mary apparently expects Elizabeth to help her regain the throne, but Elizabeth is pretty scared of her, cautious of her. And she questions whether or not Mary should be found guilty of that murder of Lord Darnley. Mary still has to move further south now, away from the Scottish border to Bolton Castle. And back in Scotland, all the while, her supporters are fighting a civil war against Murray. All this time, Mary is refusing to be tried in court refusing to intend the inquiry at York and sending representatives instead. At these discussions, though, Moray presents eight unsigned letters that are presumably between Mary and Bothwell. This includes uh, a marriage contract, a love sonnet, and of course, Mary denies writing these, insisting that her writing is pretty easy to forge. These are called the casket letters. At this point, it is impossible to prove either way whether those letters were Mary's, since some of the originals are thought to be destroyed by Mary's son, James, and the surviving copies don't form a complete set. Also, there are some in different languages, but some think it was a different writer corresponding with Bothwell, and it was just easy for Mary to take the blame for it. And there are parts of the letters that really sound like her voice, but then there are other pieces that lack the level of education she received. But whether they're real or not, they were publicly shown at a conference in 1568 and this is almost a year since the abdication and these letters really support that decision it doesn't matter whether you think they're real or not that court of public opinion uh, was pretty damning to mary the duke of norfolk really wanted these letters to be real since he had a plan to marry her although he denies this saying quote he never meant to marry with a person where he could not be sure of his pillow. Unquote. Oh, shit. What a fucking weirdo. Because of this uncertainty, Elizabeth contested that Mary was not acquitted, nor found guilty of the murder, and she never condemns her for this. But Mary remains in custody in England for the rest of her life. So they moved Mary to Tutbury Castle. I remember I saw like a cool little map of all the places in England that they moved Mary around hmm. to. Um, during her imprisonment, let's just call a spade a spade. Um, what I think is crazy and what I loved about the recent Mary Queen of Scots movie is that they actually showed them meeting. I just think it's crazy that these two, you know, cousin queens who probably looked really alike never met each other. No, I was going to say like what you're saying, like the little pictures that they had in that movie, they're, they're pretty much identical. And I know that like, it'd be different if there was a photograph and the artist's interpretation is whatever, but like, yeah, they... They were cousins, for sure. And Elizabeth had this longstanding jealousy of anyone who was younger than her. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, this, like, her cousin who's just, like, her, I forget their age difference, like, 15 years apart or something. So just 
that would be on top of it too. And Mary had had a child like Elizabeth famously yep. didn't. So just, yeah, the rivalry, there's so many levels to it, but I love that you're getting into her later years. Cause that's one of my favorite eras of her because she was, she did not stop scheming. I've been getting into needlepoint recently. Uh, I'm sure Nathan's heard enough about this, but they actually have some of her needlepoint that she did uh, when she was in prison and it survives. And one of them is in, is of a cat. Yeah. Capturing a mouse. And I'm like, oh my God. That's so cool. There's a book coming out later this spring and I'm going to be interviewing the author on my podcast. And it's a book about Mary Queen of Scots's stitching. <gasps> so I'm going to have a whole episode <laughs> about that. So like, stay wow. tuned. Yeah, no, because she was like, whatever. She's sitting at home, like all of us during quarantine, just kind of like, I guess we'll just take up needlepoint. And so she saw these tapestries that like still exist that have all these like secret meanings in them and stuff. So they're like, are you like doing treason via needlepoint? She's like, no, it's just a picture of a cat and a mouse. And over there, it subtly says in Latin, like Mary is the queen. Like, don't worry about it. I love it. Um, I made this little Henry VIII. Oh my gosh. That's so good. got, Got little beads. I'm very happy with it. Wow. You got to watch this on YouTube to see that Henry yes, stitch. Or right. on Spotify or the or video Spotify. version on Spotify. I will also maybe post it on my on our Fatal Fortunes Instagram. That would be fun. We were going to get into a couple of these plots that Mary is involved in because we were like we were saying, she's still scheming. So they move her to Tetbury Palace in January of 1569. And she's under the custody of the Earl of Shrewsbury. Elizabeth at this time, of course, considered Mary a very serious threat. Mary still had some of her staff that was allowed to work for her, but never fewer than 16. Nathan, why? I'm like, why is that? I don't get it. I have no idea. I thought it was a weird number. Like, why did they choose that? Why was it they had to have at least that many people? Yeah, that was weird. Did she have one of the Marys with her? I know she did it by luck leave and there's at least one Mary still with her. I'm not sure if she still had at least one. Not I sure. think so, because I thought that they were present for her execution as well, maybe. But she had she had pals, she had friends, she had yeah. an entourage. Yeah, she had girls. In custody, she was, you know, still treated and served like a queen. Her bed sheets were changed, meals, and they were fancy meals, to be exact. It was not gruel. Her health declined a bit, as we were saying, you know, she had some illnesses that we don't quite understand that would probably be easily diagnosable today. Um, but she also wasn't exercising like she once was. Uh, walking oh, yeah. was huge. <laughs> Did she not then. invent golf or something like that? I bet she invented what? golf. Like, I wouldn't be oh surprised. I know she played golf. I'm sure she didn't invent golf. But I think she was like a tall, sporty, six-foot person. So, yeah. Just like, like if Elizabeth she was... Debicki. Exactly. Yeah. Or Gwendolyn Christie. Two good options. Yes. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. But to be just like stuck in this room after, and I'm sure she's got the PTSD happening, just like the trauma of her life. But if she's not able to move around, I'm sure that's, you know, psychologically affecting her too. She got really bad uh, rheumatism and that rendered her actually unable to walk at a certain point. So we're stitching now more than ever. In May, Elizabeth tried to mediate with a convention in Perth, not Australia, the OG Perth, asking for Mary to be restored if she switched to being a Protestant, she said that she would be on board with restoring her a little bit more. I bet, you know, Elizabeth's also playing the long game. Probably No, she really knew she wouldn't serial. do that. Yeah. But of course, this was rejected. Early the next year, Moray was assassinated after an unsuccessful rebellion in the north of England, which was led by the Catholics. 
And this almost certainly cemented the idea for Elizabeth that Mary was a threat. And while she was alive, she was always going to be a threat. Elizabeth's council included William Cecil. Cecil? Cecil? I think it's Cecil. I don't know. I think it's Cecil. I always say it wrong, so don't ask me. I feel like some posh people are like, Cecil? William Cecil? Who's that guy? It's probably just David Starkey. It's probably just him. So William Cecil spied on her. The next year, Cecil discovered the Ridolfini plot, which was a plan to replace Elizabeth with Mary through the help of the Spanish and the Duke of Norfolk. Very elaborate. Obviously, the Duke was executed for this. Duh. Um, And this parliament uh, officially made a bill to bar Mary from ever sitting on the throne. Can I just say that she was writing letters in code, which is the coolest thing in the world. There was like ciphers. It was like you have to like put this like key on it to understand it. Like she was like, like J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. She's just like really like she's nonstop scheming and stitching. Like she's just it's not just like, oh, I'm writing letters. Oh, no, someone found the letter. It's like you have to find the letter. You have to translate it. It's in this like wild code. Yeah. yeah. Like, you don't know what it means. Chill. Years pass, of course, and by 1584, uh, Mary is really desperate to see her son, and I don't blame her. She basically is saying that she'll do anything to see her son. She'll renounce the Pope. She'll stop being a Catholic papist. She'll abandon any claim that she has to the thrones. But unfortunately, James, you know, he never got to bond with her. He didn't know her. She was kind of just a stranger who was writing her letters, (laughs) saying she's really close to him. It's like that relative at the Yankee swap that's just grabbing his cheeks like, I don't know her. So basically he rejected these ideas and he sided, you know, with cousin Elizabeth. Um, And they made an alliance together that just totally didn't include Mary. Uh, The next year there was an attempt on Queen Elizabeth's life. So Mary's security was tightened, even though she actually had nothing to do with this specific plot. Mm -hmm. And by Christmas, she was moved to a moated manor house at Chartley. Now let's get into the trial. She finally gets a trial um, because she's out riding in August of 1586 and she is arrested. Mary's told that the letters she wrote were being secured, while in actuality they were being deciphered, like we said, she wrote in code. And once that was done, it was pretty clear she did indeed have a hand in the attempted assassination, or at least it looked that way. Uh And then in October, she's put on trial for treason. It's pretty much a made-up decision going in that that she's guilty when she walked in. Um, She still had this to say, though, quote, Look to your consciences and remember that the theater of the whole world is wider than the kingdom of England, unquote. Very wise, very well-traveled. You must have been to France. (laughs) She was denied evidence and legal counsel and was convicted on the 25th of October and sentenced to death. Elizabeth obviously hesitated. This was her cousin after all. Also because this may set James off to start another war. That's his mom after all. But after much deliberation, Elizabeth signed off on her execution on February 1st, 1587. But it's also what kind of precedent does it set if you as an anointed monarch execute another anointed monarch? And that's why she didn't kill her for so long. Because it's like if she killed her, then she's like, you're saying like queens can be executed. And that's not a precedent she wants to set. And because both of them, their um, genealogy was so similar. Like both of them, if it is like a God situation, like God put you on the throne, it's like God put them both on the throne. They both have kind of the same ancestors. So if one of them is fallible and mortal, then like, what does it mean Mm -hmm. for her? It must be like she, later on in her reign, she was more confident or more comfortable in her own status. Like she was less worried maybe. 
like she was less worried that if she executed Mary, people would then want to execute her. So then on the 7th of February, Mary's told that she'll be executed in the morning. But she also writes her will and a letter to the King of France. On the day of her execution, February 8th, she wore a velvet petticoat and crimson brown sleeves underneath to her ex execution. This is a symbol of martyrdom. And her last words, not in English, but uh, translated to, Into thine hands, O Lord, I commend my spirit. Unquote. Beheadings are rough. Beheadings are not fun. The executioner asks for forgiveness, which is custom. And of course, Mary held no qualms with Bull, the executioner. But the first blow misses, and thus it was the second that severed the neck. Afterwards, her head was lifted up, and Bull said, God save the queen. And this was done kind of a bit behind Elizabeth's back, but this allowed her to have distance and plausible deniability to the blood that was spilled. Mary was buried at Peterborough Cathedral in late July, and her son James later moved her body to a tomb opposite Elizabeth's in Westminster Abbey, in 1612. James is like not my favorite person from history, but he was in a real weird position to be like the heir oh, yeah. of Elizabeth, but like his mother was executed for treason, so he has to be like, she wasn't so bad. Because if people thought that his mother was bad, then that would right. cast out on him, so he had to be like, maybe she was just misunderstood. I don't know. But yeah. then, you know, the consequence of not having James on the throne is who are we picking another, you know, gray girl? I know. Like, who's left? Like, and God forbid we have another woman. Come on. It's been a long time. And all the boys are so weak and so sick. Like, there's no... So frail. She's a little baby somewhere. I don't know. Like, who are we going to call Arabella Stewart a gay? Yeah. Like, the sure. options are not strong. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't you rather pick an anointed king over, you know, a noble woman who can do, you know, simple arithmetic <laughs> and household economics, like, slay? Yeah. But yeah, I think that it's amazing that they are... Um, together in death. I think that these queens who whose lives are so intertwined, who never met in life, will, you know, be forever in repose side by side. To bring it back to Rain, in the series finale, when she is executed, then they flash back to this, like, secretly shot footage of her frolicking with Francis, like, before that actor left. They filmed that, so they could play it at the end of the final episode. I so was, she was being executed, but she was thinking back to, like, her happiest time, which was in France. And frankly... IRL, I think that was her happiest time mm -hmm. in France. Like, yeah. I mean, there's challenges there. Obviously, you're talking about all the plots and things. But, like, as soon as she got to Scotland, it was just, like, nightmare city. Yeah. Unrelenting yeah. trauma. So. But anyway, you know, we're talking a little bit about her legacy. We've talked. I think we talked, you know, a significant amount about her legacy. We, you, As we mentioned, there's that show Rain that we love. There was that new Mary Queen of Scots movie. You know, Vanessa Redgrave even played her at one point. Point. Mm -hmm. um, Nathan Hepburn says, uh, you say at the end that I personally don't think that Mary had anything to do with the murders. It was just given a bad hand in a really bad time to be a woman. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I feel. I don't know. Like, maybe it just there's 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 so much distance time wise now that it's hard to really know for me. Um, and also not having read those letters, like, and the fact that they're incomplete. I don't know. I want to believe that it was just a bunch of dudes making decisions that were really bad. I think that she really, once the Darnley thing went so badly for her and like public opinion turned against her, she, there was no way back for her from that point. Yeah. 
basically like anything anyone said about her would be believed so she became a really easy scapegoat comma and she was scheming like i don't know about the letters like was she literally trying to assassinate elizabeth i don't know but i know she was communicating in code with spies and she had supporters and like her goal was to be back on the throne and elizabeth was collateral to that goal but the murder of it all i don't know either um but i like i like to think of her as having as much agency as possible because she's such a victim in so many situations mm-hmm. that it's I, I like to think that if she didn't directly involve herself in things like Darnley's murder for instance like I think she was just kind of like that's cool like she was the protege of Catherine de Medici like she knows scheming like she yeah. knows they call she's like protege of the serpent queen yeah yeah like she grew up learning from her how to be a woman who's a queen so like she had the skills it's just not with the like skills. no family in a foreign country yeah etc and that was the other thing i think lana's talked to me about is um she had the skills to thrive in a french court situation but not in like a protestant scotland like mm-hmm lords and kilts who just like hate women like her skills were like persuasion and manipulation and like courtly manners and these were just like dumb guys with like kilts on like they weren't her skills did not work for her in the situation she wound up in we're gonna end with some four questions for you um so i wanted to see if there was a time in your life where you were like whoa i love history a time in my life like a specific moment yeah um i don't i mean numerous numerous moments anytime i see something um in person and i haven't traveled widely myself but every time i see something really old i'm just like oh that's amazing i don't know i don't know that's a hard question um for me it was i got my cat my hands on the copy of uh, allison weir's the six wives of henry the eighth yeah like 12 I was like, oh, my God, I'm unlocked. I am unlocked. <laughs> no, you know what? That's so weird. You just said that. I'm like, yeah, I think it was either that or there's a David Starkey one. Like, I was interested in The Wives of Henry the Eighth as a younger kid. Because, like, when I was a kid, I traveled around England and Scotland. And, like, you see my face. I was like, who are these people with red hair and pale skin <laughs> yeah. who look like me? I'll read about them. Um, and then as a bit of an older kid, I think around 12, like, I read those. And I was like, oh. And I was like, oh, this is more interesting than I thought it was. It's not just, like bluebeard and he killed the wives it's like no this person was interesting in this way and this person was interesting in this way so yeah no that definitely it was when i was reading those but like as a little kid i was reading like i love pompeii that was like a big fixation of mine as a kid ancient egypt there's a book Same. i read about um king tut about like yes examining tut and that, like, adventures love that oh, show yeah, yeah. classic yeah so just kind of like that stuff was interesting as a kid so i guess like when i rediscovered it as an adult um, I was like, oh no, this is like interesting and I can appreciate it in new ways now. Comma and rain. I remember as a little kid, I used to wrap all my Barbie dolls in band-aids. I wonder what a psychologist would say about that. Like to make them Today. mummies? Yes. And my, my parents were like, you're going to be a doctor someday. This is amazing. I was like, no mom and dad, I'm making mummies. Yeah. I remember those details from kids' books too that were like, and they pulled the brain out through the nose with this hook. Yes. Yeah. It's like you remember that as a kid. You're just yeah. like, this is the grossest, most interesting thing I've ever read. And then our next question is, um, when did you take that love of history to podcasting? When did I take the love of history to podcasting? Um, like, I'm not being facetious. So I was, when Rain was on TV, I was writing for like a TV recap website. 
and then the TV recap website was like canceled when there was like four episodes of Rain left. And I was like, well, I need to write about these. Like this is like part of my process. I watch it and then write about it. So then I started a website just to like post my like blogs about it. And when that finished, I was like, oh, I want to keep writing like historical essays. I started writing about other women in history. And then that just kind of organically turned into podcasting about it. Nice. So, like when I say like rain is the reason I'm doing this podcast, like it, it literally is. I'm like, and you're the reason I'm doing this podcast. And there is there an episode of yours that you thought would have been more appreciated than it is? Oh, um, underrated episodes. An underrated episode of my own. Um, I don't know. It's interesting to see what takes off and what doesn't. Because I think the more well-known the person is I talk about, the more listened to it gets. Because people just look up whatever, like Mary Queen of Scots. And if you're scrolling through some, I do the same thing. If I'm scrolling through some a new episode, like podcast to me, I'm just like, oh, I'll listen to their like Cleopatra episode or whatever. Right. Um. Yeah, actually, I think in the first season of my show, I did an episode about um, Lucy Percy, who was a spy in like the court of King James era. Cool. And she's also somehow related to the Boleyns. Like that's how I came across her. But she was like in jail for a while. Oh, no, her father was in jail. He was like an alchemist. And then she went to visit him. Like, I think it's a really interesting story, but it's not one that... Um, gets a lot of hits and it's not one that a lot of people mention to me. I think because she's surrounded by like Frances Howard episode is like right True. before hers. Although when Lucy Percy was in jail, it was the same time Frances Howard was in jail and they met. And I was anyway, I love a spy story. I love a woman spy in like an unlikely situation, like 1600s England. I'm like, oh, she was a spy and she like wasn't executed. She just like thrived. Yeah. So that would be one that I would suggest. I know that we have, you know, a running tally of how everyone gets placed on, you know, the tits out brigade scale. I remember Frances Howard being kind of high on that scale. Who is um, the number one right now? The number one right now and the number one for a long time has been um, Fredegund. Yes. Neustria, who is the like early medieval Frankish queen, just like legend. She was like, she had some similar hands dealt as Mary Queen of Scots, but she just had, um, not that she's necessarily smarter or better, but she just, the people around her got it and saw that she was impressive and they mm-hmm. stood with her in a way that Mary Queen of Scots, just no one really had her back except for like her ladies in waiting, but they couldn't yeah. like lead her in an army. Fredigan was like enslaved and then like seduced the king to murder his wife, which he did. And then he married her the next day. And everyone's like, okay. Also, it was like Frankish court. And everyone, everyone's like, okay. Versus Mary Queen of Scots did this stuff. And everyone's like, oh my God, no. What did you do? Like, I don't what know. What was that show that they, it was the the drama they used to have on Vikings. Vikings. Yeah. She gives Vikings vibes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And like, when that's the context you're living in, like you can get away with more, I think. Mm-hmm. Versus like Mary Queen of Scots was more like inching towards like a modern thing where it's like oh well women shouldn't do that or whatever whereas fred again was just like here we go i'm gonna murder some more people and everyone's like that's great do it yep <laughs> yeah yep cool as long as trades popping cool yeah and then finally what are your hobbies outside of podcasting outside of podcasting um my hobbies are i like reading murder mysteries and i like watching tv shows that are about murder mysteries <laughs> um like murder she wrote like old school like columbo like that vibe Mm. 
Um, I like cozy British TV shows that are like craft competitions, mm, like yeah. um, the Bake Off sort of vibes, yeah. those sorts of things. Anything where everyone's just like really nice to each other. And when someone's voted off, they all cry. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you so don't like, like America's Next Top Model at all. <laughs> I did watch that back in the day. <laughs> But yeah, this at this period of like three years into pandemic vibes, what like I go for just like comfort. I don't want to yeah. watch like drama happening. Like a cat. I have a cat. That was another one of my hobbies. Yeah. Anyway, this is the most fun ever. I'm so glad that I have a podcast so I can ask my favorite podcaster, uh -huh. please come talk to me for 90 minutes. <laughs> you know how sometimes people are like, what's a topic that you could like do a TED talk for with like no preparation at all? And I was like, Mary Queen of Scots. Like I can talk about Mary Queen of Scots any day of the week. Like I know so much random information about her, which is why I'm going to do like a 12 episode, <laughs> 12 hour long season. Yeah. Are you going to release weekly or bi-weekly? Like how long are we talking? It's, it's going to be um, – there's going to be an episode every week, but they're not going to be Mary Queen of Scots episodes every week because I can't keep up with that pace. So it's going to be like one or two Mary Queen of Scots themed episodes and then like an author interview and then Cute. like another couple. Yeah. So just so there's always something new, but it's going to be spread out. But yeah, each episode is going to be like like a Catherine de' Medici episode and then like Margaret Tudor episodes, like – yeah, so just really Love. getting into the nitty-gritty. But thank you. This, like, reminded me. And also, I learned some stuff. All the stuff about <laughs> the men and the battles. I'm like, I don't usually pay attention to that stuff. But when you were reading it, I was like, oh, that happened? They hung outside a window? Wow. And now when I go to read it, I'll be like, that's what Nathan talked about. I know this part. Yeah. Cool. The Whenever we're talking about a battle, that's when it gets so boring for me. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, there's other podcasts that that's their whole thing. Yeah. No, I'm going to skip over all that stuff mostly. But we, you need it for like the play settings to understand. Like, and these people tried to assassinate these people and then he took over and then he was assassinated. It's like, you need to know that this was like an intense situation. So yeah. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Yeah. No, this is so fun. Thank you very much for inviting me. And the theme was just like very timely for what I'm working on anyway. Because I remember I was looking through, before we asked you, I was looking through, I was like, she hasn't done Mary Queen of Scots yet. That doesn't make any sense to me. And it's so. because I was like, I could never do it. I knew it had to be like a 10 to 12 episode series. I couldn't just That's us it. with like Queen Elizabeth and Diana. It's like we yeah. can't open that can of worms. No, it's too big. It's even like Anne Boleyn. I'm like, I can't. There's too like, no. And also slash so many people have talked about it. But yeah, it's just Mary Queen of Scots, like her story. I thought this was really smart what you did, the husbands. Because it's just like she's these different eras where yeah. it's like you can't her story just keeps going even after she's arrested it's like and then she was kept in jail for 25 years or whatever it's like and she didn't just sit around like yeah the story's unrelenting so thank you guys so much yeah thank you so much for inviting me yeah bye bye bye